بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome to the Iqra Network podcast uh, my name is Dr. Fahad Al-Bin Ali I'm co-founder and president of Iqra Network uh, Iqra is an online Quran and Arabic uh, institution founded in 2017 uh, we have students across uh, the world in over uh, 50, uh, 46 countries Uh, we've taught over a million hours online. Alhamdulillah. Um, uh, our podcast uh, has started two years ago, and uh, over the past two years, we've been interviewing Muslims in our community uh, who we can learn from, who can inspire us, and who uh, come from different areas of expertise, and we can ask them uh, direct questions to learn from them. Um, today, inshallah, uh, our topic is about mus- Muslim entrepreneurship. Um, in a recent report, 2021, by Global Islamic Economy, $2 trillion dollars were uh, spent globally on Islamic-focused products, uh, services, clothing, cosmetics, food, And that is expected to grow over the next few years, reaching probably three trillion and then even more than that. Uh, American Muslims specifically um, make up uh, a big portion of that, around 200 billion. So there's a lot of energy in the Muslim community and need to uh, develop ideas and businesses. Uh, Muslims are looking for new products and uh, to support their Islamic lifestyle. Um, today, inshallah, uh, uh, we have uh, with us uh, a very special guest, uh, Brother Riaz Surti, uh, who is the CEO and founder of Hearthy Foods uh, based in Los Angeles. Uh, Hearthy Foods is the leading halal wellness Uh, product in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, They have over 50 products that are halal and uh, gluten-free. Brother Riaz is really a pioneer uh, in that halal business. Uh, His products range from uh, collagen powder, uh, whey protein, uh, halal beef bone broth, things that you would go into a typical supermarket and you would wish that you could have access to a few years back, but now it's becoming a reality. Brother Surti also um, grew up in Southern California and attended USC. Uh, welcome, Brother uh, Riaz. How are you? Uh, alhamdulillah. How are you, Fad? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So very exciting story. And I visited your website just uh, before starting, and I looked at uh, the About Us section. And what grasped me immediately was the photo of your mom and your dad uh, and behind them Taj Mahal. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful uh, photo really. And I wanted to ask you and start with that. How did that all begin? I, I, I think uh, there was kind of a deep, there's a deep story there, especially mm-hmm. having your mom and your dad on your website. So can you give us a little bit about the motivation and the background? Uh, I think, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I went to Syria's high school and I was 16 years old and I asked my dad, 
you know, I told my dad I wasn't doing good in school. And that was, he was really surprised about that because my sister was, um, you know, a straight A student. My brother was a straight A student. Okay. And then, and I was, you know, just really, just literally failing high school. Okay. And, and I told my dad, I'm not, I don't particularly like school. I don't want to do, I don't want to be in school. Okay. And so, and my dad was a CPA. Okay. And my brother was a CPA. My sister's CPA all became, and my dad was a very sympathetic and very intelligent person. Right. Okay. And, and, um, and, and anyhow, so I, I think he told me, hey, go get a job at the local KFC down the street. Okay. And so I think, I think his hopes was to like make me work at fast food and realize how crummy of a job that could be, how hard of a job that could be, right? Okay. And, and, and maybe get me motivated back to go to high school and get good grades, right? So, okay. And then what happened was, so, you know, you know, I really loved the job, actually. Okay. I really loved working at KFC, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then I did that for two years. Okay. And, um, and I became assistant manager and then, um, and I was just, just really enjoyed it. Just, you know, you know being in, 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 a, in a fast food company, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like the time of my life. And then, then two years later, the, I became assistant manager. And then I told my dad, this, this KFC is for sale. Okay, and can you buy it from me? Okay, and, then, uh, and then, like I said, my dad was a CPA. He was a professional. He just he knew accounting and he looked at numbers and he said that this is a really good business, you know, and, um, and he was a very, very endearing person, right? He's very personable, very um, just um, um, intelligent, but very kind-hearted person. Okay, so he approached the owner, the franchise owner, and he, and he gave him an offer. Okay, and, um, and, and generally speaking, you have to pay a little bit more if you're an outsider. Okay, so, so my dad realized that and can he just, you know, pay for the restaurant? Okay, and then, and something crazy happens after we buy the restaurant. My my father dies a month later. Okay, and it was really really uh, it was really shocking because, you know, like uh, we ha- I, we bought this restaurant. Okay, and then uh, my my siblings were kind of you know not too happy about that. Okay, and then my 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 mom was she was really distraught because my, my dad had died. Right. Okay, and and then part of the part of the deal of the restaurant was you know we had to remodel the restaurant in order to, um, in order to like, um, you know, part of the purchase price, you have to do an image enhancement, they call it. Okay. So, okay. And I remember we hired the contractor and the contractor just, um, you know, we gave him a deposit. Okay. Me, me, we mean, me, meaning me. Okay. So I gave him a deposit okay, and, uh, and he knew my dad had passed away recently and he took, took the money and ran. Okay. So like, so it was even worse. Like, so like, you know, it was really dealing with the challenge of my father passing and then I, and then, um, and my siblings weren't too happy with me, you know, and then my mother, you know, I saw the look on my mother's face, you know, it's really, really, it was really, it's so sad to see that. Okay. And that, but, but most people would break them. But for me, I just, at that moment, I realized in my life that no one was going to ever take care of me financially. It became like that. It just became a realization. And then I just also, I just saw my mother's face that, you know, I, like, this is, this is my time. I can't mess around. I can't be a pushover anymore. And I was 18 at the time. Okay. And um, it really just, so it was a game changer for me, you know? And then I just started, you know, I, you know, through the blessings of my mom and, and we had, we, had, you know, we just basically got a home loan. Okay. And was able to, to basically, you know, remodel the, remodel the restaurant and get it going. Okay. And then, and at the same time, I never, 
excuse me, at the same time, I never um, voluntarily ever read a book except for two books. One was the Quran and one was the, um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Okay, so at 18, I read this book, the autobiography of Malcolm X, and I read this book and it really like just inspires me, right? Okay, and, and just to see the transformation of, of this one person and how he transforms from, you know, from all the challenges in life to become a, a leading Islamic figure. Okay, and... And just really, you know, really being proud of his identity, right? And I've always, and one thing, alhamdulillah, I've always prayed namaz as a kid. I never miss a lot, right? Okay? But after reading that book, it really instilled this, this uh, identity of, of just being proud of being Muslim, okay? And, and um, anyhow, so then, so that's really the story. I, start, when I, had, I started, I bought, my, I bought my second restaurant, my third restaurant, my fourth restaurant, I started adding halal products onto the menu and I, I got a lot of notoriety for doing that with KFC. And, and I started doing things that, that no one ever thought of before. I was like doing Grubhub before Grubhub started or Uber Eats, you know, through my own deliveries. I started, you know, implementing halal you know, in, our, in our facility, the same prices as non-halal. And then I started adding halal meat, chicken to Taco Bell products, right? So I have one of those KFCs that was a two-in-one store, right? So... So we're just, you know, it's just a lot of just so much business you know, and then treating employees properly, right? Giving them opportunities to grow, okay? And and in essence, you know, it just became a really, uh, I think I had the highest volume restaurants, you know, in Southern California, okay? And I would, and um, and all over LA. So like, anyhow, so I just really, just really, um, you know, you know, I just had Rose's greatest parents that really, you know, believed in me, okay, and and also just really worked hard, right? So like, and then and then also like helping, um, you know, reading that book from autobiography of Malcolm X that really also helped me a lot. So that's kind of like the the basic started my my basic journey from that, okay. But I started when I was eighteen years old, so and then. The, I can keep going. Keep going to the story, or just what, I, when I want to ask more questions. No, 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 it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, one, one thing that you mentioned, which is faith, and I think the autobiography of Malcolm X, it shows this transformation, uh, transformation um, in faith, and how important faith is in 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 anything that we do. So, in your case, you should said that you had the Quran and the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, but you also mentioned things like how you treated your employees, how, um, what's your thoughts about how important this faith should be sent a centerpiece in that whole thing of, of, of establishing a business? Is this as critical? It's not critical. What's your thoughts about that? Well, I, th- I think the, as far as the, um, the employee part of it, you know, there is a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he said that pay a man before his sweat dries. So I always the basically it's about justice, you know, paying people quickly and justice, right? That was one, right? And you know what happened was, I know I should tell you a little more deeper about. See when when the, when the contractor took our money and left, right? Okay, and there was a moment where I didn't have any money to pay the contract the subcontractors. I I just basically hired a bunch of sub, subcontractors to finish to finish the restaurant, okay, and. And one thing I never did was I never I never dodged any calls. Anybody called me, I would answer it. And I would tell him, listen, this is what's happening. So if you help me with this, you know, I could pay you this time, this date. And if, if that date didn't come around, I said, listen, I need a few more days, whatever. I never dodged a call. So I think in some way, like even with employees, I never lied. I just don't lie to people. I don't, it's not, it's not good business to do that. Okay. But also no one wants to work for a liar. 
Okay. Nobody wants to work for it. Nobody wants to imagine someone telling you, especially an employer lying to you. How can you work for that person? Right. Okay. And you'll be disillusioned. And also like nobody wants to work for somebody that um, everyone, everyone wants the same thing that you want in some ways. They want a good life, good family, good health, you know, opportunities. Right. So you basically like, I always kept that in mind, even though we're all fast food employees, but I always kept in mind that this is, you know, like, um, you know, help us grow together. Let's just do this together. Okay. And, and I learned this really interesting concept to call, um, I'm not sure what it's called, but, but what it is, is basically, you know, there's a difference between a motivator and a manipulator, right? Okay. So uh, um, a manipulator will use every, everyone for the benefit of himself. Okay. And then a motivator will use everyone for the benefit of everyone. Okay, so, so I always knew that distinction because I wanted to be a motivator. Okay, so like that kind of view things in that context. So business to me was about motivating okay, people okay, in a collective interest you know, in that way. So, and I think that's also a very Islamic principle of thinking each other in our collective interest, right? Okay, so like, because, um, you know, your brother, you know, what do you want for yourself and what do you want for your brother, right? So like, it's a collective interest component, right? So like, so I think that was something that was really impactful, and especially. And then um, at one point, I had about 100 employees at KFC, KFC Taco Bell, and then I was just doing a lot of volume. Okay, and in order for pe- people to buy into what I'm saying, you know, like I remember when I, when I when I got my second restaurant and my third restaurant, my fourth restaurant. Okay, like, and I would intentionally buy like the worst look worst restaurants because um because I knew there's a lot of upside to it, and I would buy restaurants that had almost like liabilities even, right? So like. Okay, and so like I would say, no, I I knew that um, that those restaurants were, were most traditional KFC and Taco Bell. They're more about like building a nice mousetrap, meaning that they just want people to come in. Okay, so I knew that the real money was at was in catering. Okay, and so like so so each each restaurant became a distribution hub from for that area. Okay, so like so what I do what I would do is I would do dealerships okay i would do schools i would uh, start adding halal um products on the menu right okay and then um, it just became something like almost like um you know just like a like a delivery machine like a, like a delivery business okay and and i didn't even care what the restaurant looked like but i'll still fix it and make it better right okay and then uh, each employee that i talked to i would say listen i would identify who, who are the, the the people who are with me in this, you know, and then I'll identify the people who are not with me. Okay. And I would just tell them, listen, you, know, you, have, you have two choices, right? Either you can help yourself, okay, and do a good job, maybe be part of this or not. Okay. It's, it's simple as that. Okay. And, and anyhow, so then, um, and I, and I, and I would have like um, frequent meetings because I think when you communicate well with people, you tell people this is what you're trying to achieve. Okay. And, and then, and I, and I was very transparent too. Like, I remember like um, most, most, um, most people they say don't don't share your numbers don't sh- share your you know your, your but I find I find that um, in order if you really want people to be motivated is you, you have to share in your success in your in your sales numbers and whatever share in your goals right okay and then also tie in your goals with their goals okay so like so what I would do is okay so so what so you know right now you're making this much money okay but what if we can double it within by the end of the year okay and this is how we this is how we achieve that. Okay, so like, so one thing I always try to do is I always try to keep that person in mind. Okay, and and um, and sometimes it's not just money too. Sometimes it is on the most part, but but sometimes it's not. It's about treating people well, right? Okay, having a good culture, right? Okay, and then um, so that was that that was that was a key for our growth. Okay, it was 
but um, but but I'm also very relentless in how I do things. I, I won't stop. Okay, I like and part of it is is because maybe it's that same kid that didn't no one believed in some way, right? In case of like that, that you know he's not gonna he's not gonna make it. He's not gonna do well, right? Okay, but and I had a little bit chip on my shoulder, but I, I always knew that. Um, you know, like, you know, that, you know, I always want to prove people wrong in some ways, right? So, like, okay, and, but that's, that was, that was really, like, kind of like my business philosophy. I, I kind of give you a, a lot of um, information there, but, but, but in essence, I think the, the key, the key to anything in life, I, I think it's, it's just, um, it's thinking about our collective interests in people, especially in management. Okay. That's, that's so interesting. So, one of your accomplishments seems to me how you mentored uh, employees or kind of, kind of give them a little bit of a deeper, a kind of a, 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 a stronger role in the organization. Was that, is that, was that, is that true or no? Yeah. Well, well, if it, we're, ta- we're talking about KFC, I, I remember like there was just two, there were two guys that came in. Okay. It was like, uh, what happened? I had one store at the time okay, and, and um, it was doing, and there was a young cook must have been 16 years old, didn't speak much English, okay, and it was Jaime Gutierrez, right, okay, and, uh, and the one thing he had was, he, he just had a can-do mentality, okay, mm-hmm. and I told him, listen, you know, like, and he was 16 at the time, okay, and he was young, and then by the time he became 18, and I said, listen, I'm buying my second restaurant, okay, why don't you become manager of the store, and I had this theory, I had, I had this, like this concept called eliminate yourself, Meaning that if you really want to grow, you have to eliminate your, yourself from that position and move to the next position. Okay, so like, okay, and uh, and and in order, so that mean that basically meant is, you know, don't hold on to something. Eliminate, teach somebody else how to do it. Okay, then you can move on to the next position. Okay, and then, so if I want to be a multi, instead of just being manager of a one really high success restaurant, might be might just you know, get to the next one, okay? be, be a manager of a multi-restaurant. And then instead of Jaime being a, a, a cook or assistant manager or manager, become be, become a general manager, right? So like I told him, let's be manager of this restaurant in, the, in this case particular, right? Okay, and then, um, okay, and then, and I told Jaime, listen, this is our goal. We've we done so well with delivery, but we have to continue. This is, so let's, any order that comes in, you know, it would be a $10 order, $15 order, just drop it off. Okay. And then, then I realized then they're using their own cars like that. But the way I, I, I told him is, listen, let's get our sales up. That way I could pay you more. Okay. And then, and then he would talk to them in Spanish and English. Right? We had a lot of Hispanic employees. Okay. And then he would just, so he basically was kind of like my partner in that way. Okay. And okay. And then when I got the second restaurant, I would, I, I, had, I remember Jaime was there. The very first day we took over the restaurant, we had a meeting that Saturday morning. And it must have been like nine employees at that new restaurant we bought. Okay, and so we, I, I was, and I was, I'm talking to them, and then, and then there was a manager there that was like maybe in his 40s or 40, maybe in his 50s, maybe at the time. And at the time, I was like maybe 27 years old, 26 years old, right? Okay, and 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 the first thing, so I had, I asked, I know, in the meeting, do you have anyone have any questions? And he said, "Man, you're so, how are you so young to be doing this? You know, okay, and." And maybe this was, was incredulous and maybe in thinking that I could, I could take over this restaurant kind of thing, you know? Okay. And, okay. And then the, I remember, I remember just saying to him, you know, like, you know, I, I don't believe in age. I don't believe, well, I just believe in performance. Okay. So it doesn't matter how old I am. And, and even with you, it's all performance based. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what, 
what you are. All I care is about your performance. Okay, and so a true meritocracy. Right? It's what I emphasize that day, you know. Okay, and then uh, and then uh, and one thing I, I like um like I had this, this concept called fearless cooking back in KFC. Okay, so like meaning that you know they would you know at the time like they would they won't they wouldn't want to cook that much because they want to throw things away. So they would like it wasn't fresh the food. Maybe that, and then anyways. But I said, listen, we're going to sell this stuff. Okay, so instead of instead of making this much uh, you know, chicken and a little bit, make a lot more. And then what we'll do is like, um, we'll come up with these party menus and these menus were for catering. So there was like dealerships down the street. So I go out to those dealerships and give them our, our menus. Okay, and said, we'll deliver to you guys. Okay, and then one thing that I thought was interesting was like, um, like I never like I never knew what a PO was, purchase order. Okay, so like. So the, so I go to the dealership and say, listen, you know, we have we have a KFC down the street. I have this really good menu. You can take a look at it. And you go, the party menu, you can order, you know, this amount of chicken for you know feed feed eight to ten people, and and then and the check average for maybe like forty dollars, fifty dollars per each, right, for each each menu item. Okay, so that, so ten dollars, right? So anyhow, so so and dealers at the time, you know, they have all these salespeople on the lot. Okay, and so they don't want their salespeople to leave the lot. But at the same time, uh, everyone's all commission based. So if they leave the lot, like they, they may lose the sales. Like, so I told them. So they said, "Listen, we only we can't pay on on the on you know when you deliver, but we'll give you a purchase order." And 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 I remember saying, "PO, what what's the PO?" <laughs> I've been pissed off. I said, "You want to be pissed off?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I'll do a purchase order." And I realized the purchase order was a purchase order. Okay, and then and I said, "Sure, no problem." Okay, so then. Uh, so then I took one of my one of the employees at this new restaurant and okay, I said, listen, you're gonna you're gonna be in charge of catering, managing the purchase orders, managing all this stuff. Okay. And then okay, for each purchase order we get, well, I'll give you a commission on it. Okay. And to, to, so they never it was just like and then then I realized I told everyone all the employees at the time, everyone's commission based here. Okay, really you might be hourly, but everyone's commission based. No matter what, we're all we all collectively work together, we all we all get part of it. Okay. So like so it's a lot of incentivizing, you know, and then um Anyway, so then that that restaurant that we bought, you know, yeah, we just, we just kept increasing the sales. Okay, we started doing more catering on, on weekends. Okay, and then I realized, you know, why why just stick to, to dealers on weekend? Why just doing catering to everybody? So I started. I bought a fax machine at the time, uh, and then and then I have people faxing their orders, right? So like, okay, and then um, and I put like window decals on a window. Let us cater for your next event. Okay, we'll do free delivery kind of thing, you know, and then. Anyhow, we just continued to just grow the company. Okay. And so it wasn't about building a, a nice mousetrap, getting people to come in. It was about going out and getting getting the business, right? So okay, thus it was just a whole different approach. And if you look at now, like things I did like 20 years ago, okay, all right, now like that's like the way of business now, I guess, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, fantastic. I'm I'm hearing some keywords here that I would like to kind of get a little bit of more information for you about what you mentioned commission-based so that that seems to motivate people if you hire kind of a team and they're all commission-based what's your thought about that is that is that a strategy for an early entrepreneur who's trying to get sales um does that work uh the second question that i have it's there, there's a lot of it seems that you've done a lot of team building and mm -hmm. a lot of motivation, like like you have to have this kind of charisma mm -hmm. to drive people, to drive the team, to get them out to do things. 
how important are, are those two elements, commission and and kind of motivating others, basically? And well, I think I think you know for our, our audience, and especially the young people, you know, I think if you're sincere, you shine automatically. I think sincerity is really really key to get people to buy into you. Okay, and if you look at just look at the Prophet you know, he was a very sincere man, right? Okay, and he sincerely wanted to lead people in the right path, right? So, like, I think once you once you show your people your sincerity, you'll you'll just shine. Okay, so I think that's another way of of getting charisma is how you how you talked about it. Okay, so charisma, basically to me, is just being sincere. Okay, so okay, and but as far as like um to get to motivate people and um. You know, I think, you know, part of it was, was the financial part of it, the commission part of it. Okay. And, but I sincerely wanted them to make more money. Okay. And, and, and um, so that was, that was part of it. Okay. So like, I think that was where like, I knew that um, like, you know, there are, there are people in your life that you meet that, that, that there are people who are sincerely want you to be successful. And there are people who don't sincerely want you to be successful. Right. Okay. So like, Okay, and, and for me, I sincerely wanted them to be successful. And I think they saw that. Okay, so like, okay, and that's where like, that was the, I mean, it just shifted in my mind. And, I, and, and the sooner they, the sooner they saw that, you know, like, because they'll see other people getting, getting paid extra, getting paid more, right? Okay, and then, um, and one thing, one thing I always, you know, I always really tried was, I really tried to like, um, um, like have like, like communication, like weekly meetings. And, and then, and then with the general man, I would even like, for example, like the way I structured that at one point, I had hundred employees at the time, right? I would have my weekly meetings with my general managers. Then each store had a, we had a, a manager at each store. Okay. So like, and then that I'll have like maybe two, every two weeks with the manager of every store. Okay. And then, and then we'll have one, um, um, a meeting with, um, um, uh, I guess, manager, one, one, um, one meeting with all the employees once a month, okay, and, and they were all just talking, then the general manager was talking, the manager was talking, okay, and then the, we'll give us some sort of, like, a award of some sort, okay, and some bonuses, you know, okay, and then we'll have two, two um, company-wide meetings, where like, Okay, and then so it'd be about 100 employees, and we'll either do a picnic on that day, and then or do a Christmas party or a holiday party. Okay, so so it's a lot of communication, and then I I didn't I didn't know that people wanted to talk to me, and I, and what's really bizarre was I wasn't that much older than the people that worked with me, so I was about the same age as they were. Right, so I can, you know, I was in my you know by the time I got in my fourth store, okay, I was in my early 30s, maybe 31, 32. Okay, so like. So it was, I was, I was really relatable, I guess, in some ways. Okay. So, and, um, so that was, I think that was the reason why I was able to, to get, um, to, to really get people attracted to me in that way like through charisma or through sincerity and, and also through incentives. Okay. So, so, so I, I had a meeting a few weeks ago and there was a lot of young, uh, entrepreneurs actually in that meeting. And one of them approached me and was talking about marketing. And basically, he's, they're very immersed in their product, developing that product, and they have no idea how to market for that product. They're just so much involved. So is there, uh, do you have any tips on, because marketing can get really expensive, right? If you go yeah. online, if you go, it can get really expensive. What are kind of good tips there to get started? Well, I think right now we live in the golden age of e-commerce, to be honest with you. Okay, we're getting, so you can, you know, you you can market anything to anybody at this point in life, in point in time, right? So like, 
So I think what, uh, you know, if, if in terms of marketing, you know, there's, there's different, it, it keeps evolving, right? And one of the reasons why, like, these social media platforms, you know, anywhere from TikTok to Instagram to Facebook, you know, what they've really done in essence is they, you know, they've, they've, they've really, um, uh, I guess, um, allow small people, small companies to uh, go grow fast just through like targeted marketing. Okay. And so like, okay. And when something goes viral, that's also uh, something that's really good. But, but the one thing I would always do in, in any kind of business or marketing, I have to know who your audience is, right? So like for me, like when I, you know, I'm going to kind of jump there before now I have a company called Hearthy Foods, right? So like, you know, like, um, so I just knew who the audience is. I knew that this audience is, you know, initially was halal. I mean, initially was gluten-free and vegan people. Okay, so I was a very niche player in that. Okay, and then the halal collagen, halal gelatin, halal bone broth. I was very, it was a very niche, you know, very, so I, so the key to marketing is just knowing like knowing that niche, understand niche, and then then also continue to like um, expand on that niche once you start seeing success. Okay, so like, but, but, but one thing you also have to remember is that in, in order to be truly like truly successful in something, you just gotta be a little bit, you gotta, you gotta be mainstream, but, but a little bit different into the mainstream. So it's kind of like, so for example, like, um, like, um, like for example, marshmallows. Okay. We have, we have marshmallows. Okay. Everyone knows marshmallows, is, but no one has a grass fed bone broth, I mean, grass fed halal marshmallow. Okay. So like, so it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like everyone just knows it, but it's a little bit different. So, so that's, that's the kind of product I would do. Like, okay? so it has to be like mainstream, but just a little bit different, a little bit very niche kind of thing. Okay? So that's one thing I would, I would like, you know, I would, um, so that's what, that's what maybe in terms of marketing. So it's a lot easier to market something that people kind of want in some ways, right? Okay. But making it a little bit different, you know? Okay. Um, so, uh, some, you know, when you when you're starting your business, I, I myself have started my a couple of companies, and I know, you know, the first few years I'm so involved in the product, and at some point, sometimes you need to pivot, and you realize that, and that's actually what what we've done was we we pivoted. Um, what are kind of red flags here that you might need to pivot? Or you might need actually even to close up shop because it's 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 not this idea is not working. Are there any yeah. kind of red flags? Yeah, there are. I think I think the one thing I, I I did open up a restaurant after I sold my KFC restaurant. Okay, and I'll, I'll go back to what happened when I sold the KFC restaurant. Okay, so then then um, like um, so when I was when I was thirty five. Okay, like uh, I saw all my KFC restaurants. I had the highest volume restaurants. And they're, they're, they're just doing so well, right? Okay. And I remember it was a really abrupt ending, you know, but what happened was I got a, I got a note from KFC that I have to discontinue the halal food program. Okay. And so, and, and I got a call and, and the most bizarre thing, I got the call and I had one of those flip phones. Like those, I don't know if it was a brick phone or a flip phone, but I think it was a, a flip phone at the time. Yeah. This is about 2004, December 2004, when I went for Hajj. Okay, I get a call from KFC and they told me I have to discontinue the halal food program with KFC. And I was so upset about it. Okay, but, but then, and at the time, I was right in front of the Kaaba. This most bizarre thing. Like, getting a call from KFC and I'm looking at the Kaaba and I, and I realized that, and that this is not, you know, the fact that I don't want to discontinue halal in some way, like, we're doing so, so well, right? Okay, and, um, 
And, uh, and I remember this, maybe it's just, this is a sign from Allah that I should move on, right? Okay, so, so it was a divine sign. Okay, and I looked at it, okay, and I just, when I, I got back from Hajj, okay, and then just in, a, in about a month, it was able, I was able to sell all the restaurants and, and, I, and I got really good, good money for that. Okay, so, okay, and, and, um, and irony of those, and just, uh, I'll catch up the story a little bit. Irony of those, the four restaurants I sold, they're, the, they're really high volume. And then, 10 years later, they all went bankrupt, you know, but that's another story, but okay. And so, so, and by the time I was really upset about it, I really, I felt I lost my identity in some way, not having those restaurants. Because I remember, I remember like I used to go around and people would meet me, hey, I remember I went, I went to your KFC last night or people knew me as a halal KFC guy, came back in, back in the day. So, but anyhow, but, but now and look at it in retrospect, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, Allah's, Allah had a better plan for me, right? So like, there's a, there's a verse in the Quran that says, you know, like, you know, men plot plan, Allah plots and plans, Allah's the best of planners. So, so anyhow, so then, um, but, uh, but as far as like, then, then what happened? And I opened up a second restaurant. Okay. And it was really, it was called Crave Restaurant. Okay. And, okay. And, um, okay. And I did it. Okay. And I realized I just didn't like that business because, you know, like, um, you know, one thing I the day open, even though it's busy, a lot of people were there, it was packed. Okay. And then and I, I had an epiphany I, and I realized that I'm trying to be a millionaire $10 at a time. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work, you know, I'm trying to get, you know, like how am I going to do that? So like, and I realized that this is too, this is not a tough, this is not the right business I want to be in, you know? So, okay. And then alhamdulillah, you know, someone had bought the restaurant for me, you know, it's a bit at a loss. We sold it for, but, but I was out of that business, you know? Okay. And then, um, but part of it is, like you said, if something is not working, what I would do is, you know, you have to feel, you have to like, you know, there's no passion. If you don't have the passion for it, you know, that's part of it. Okay. Second is maybe you have the passion for it, but you know, you, you just got to look at, um, you know, you, you have to see, you have to see the truth for what it really is. Okay. So, you know, like I, I had epiphany, I realized that I'm trying to be a millionaire $10 at a time. That's a lot of work. Okay. So like, how am I going to do that? Okay. So like, so I, I, I realized that that's the financial didn't make sense to me and maybe it can, but at that time it's, it's just a lot of volume. Okay. And it's the check average is too small. And I realized just, that's where the challenge was. See with KFC, I had, I had a large credit contract. I was doing schools, I was doing school districts. I was doing about private schools. You know? And then I knew the halal was growing. There's so much demand for halal products that I was able to like, to like um, really ride that wave. And I would, I would keep the halal prices the same as the non-halal prices. So I was giving halal chicken to everybody and get the KFC. Okay? And so that's, that's where I was. Okay, when, with, the, with the restaurant, even though I, I was doing well with the halal restaurant, but I just realized it's just too much work. It's just having a restaurant, it's, um, it's, um, you know, it's really, a, it's, a, you know, it's a young, young person's game. You have to have a lot of energy in case to do that. Okay? So like, anyhow, so then, um, but, but what happened at the same time, Allah saved me because, you know, I had, I had uh, started this company called Crave Foods, okay, and, and, and I knew that, um, you know, I, I, I had a factory in LA that I bought before I sold the KFC restaurant, you know, okay, and, and, um, and what I did was, you know, I said, oh, well, let me take this factory and be able to, like, um, Start making some uh, industrial food products. Okay, so like, okay, so my first product was called a thing called Crave Rolls. Okay, so like, I started Crave Rolls and Crave Wings, and and if, if you have to be a really, really, um, um, 
old school to know that these old products, they're all in halal stores. Okay. So I did pretty well with that. Okay. And then, okay. And then I transitioned from, from halal, uh, halal stores to having my first product at Whole Foods. Okay. So, mm-hmm. okay. And it was a, it was a thing called Crave Samosas. Okay. And now I was really the first, first person to ever get halal food products in, in grocery stores. Even though I didn't, wasn't a big lot of fanfare behind it. I just put halal on the ingredients and halal on the, on the packaging. Okay. And, and so I got into, um, you know, I was the first person to ever get Indian food in, in, in Whole Foods. Okay. And then, okay. So I got, I got into a lot of Whole Foods. I got into Costco, got into Sam's Club. Okay. And then, um, okay. And then, uh, and then I know, alhamdulillah, after, after, after like doing such a bad job at the restaurant, okay, so having a samosa company doing pretty well, I said, well, like, maybe I should sell my samosa company, get some cash out, okay, and then, and, and be fine with that, you know, so I sell this, sell the samosa company, even though I, I even though it was, it was the right thing for me at the time, you know, this, you know, this company became a 30, 40 million dollar company, not knowing that the distribution that I had was worth a lot of value, like having distribution at Whole Foods and Costco, Sam's Club, not knowing that that was such really important. You know, so anyways, but by the time, you know, it was, it was a good thing for me at the time. You know, so, mm-hmm. And then I started my second company, which is another, uh, it was like a gluten-free pie and cheesecake company for Vaughn, Safeway, Albertsons. Okay. And um, I remember like the story where I, I go to the, I had, a, I had a friend of mine who was a, who was a buyer at Whole Foods and, and he says to, and I asked him, Hey, you know, I, I used to sell some to you. Like, yeah. I remember your Riaz. And what do you, what do you think the next trend out there is? Okay. And he told me, Hey, I think gluten free is, is, is here to stay. Okay. This is, we're talking about 2009, 2010. Okay. And, um, and the knock on the gluten free at the time was it was, it didn't taste good. It was like, it was like, Oh, it wasn't that, uh, it's like, just like cardboard. Almost, you know? Okay. And then I remember like my mother, um, my late mother, she told me um, something unrelated to gluten-free. She said, why don't you just, can you buy this particular flour from an Indian store? Okay, it's called chana flour, which is basically garbage bean flour, garbage bean. Okay, so, okay, and then, and sure. So then I said, then, and then, and I said, well, let me go buy the flour. Let me make some gluten-free pie shells with it. Okay, so, so then, so that's how I get into the gluten-free, making pie shells. I, I get into like, about 30, 40 Whole food stores selling gluten-free pie shells. Okay. And then, and then I told the guy, listen, what, what about pumpkin pie? Did you eat pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving? He said, yes, make me a pumpkin pie. Okay. And then, okay. So I started doing pumpkin pies. So like it basically started off as a niche product, gluten-free pie shell. Okay. And then I got into doing pumpkin pies, apple pies. Okay. And then, um, okay. And then, and then, uh, and Whole Foods is good at the time. They're, 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 this is pre-Amazon, right? So like, so there's a lot of um, the, yeah, there's a lot of flexibility. They weren't um, and, and they, you know you could charge whatever you want, okay, and people would pay for it, right, kind of thing. Okay, and then and then I got into Albertsons, right? So I got into Albertsons. Okay, at the time Albertsons had about ten, maybe twenty stores, and they got bought over, okay, and by 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 Safeway, Bond, I think, okay, and so like so anyway, but they but they expanded all their stores, more Albertsons stores, and, and different, and then I got to stressing. Gluten-free pie shells, apple pie, pumpkin pie. So I started selling gluten-free cheesecakes to them. Okay, and then I got to about three hundred stores. Right, okay, and so I was really, really doing well with that. But then what happened was, it was even though we're doing well, it was a lot of sales, a lot of volume, but very, very thin margins because the way the way a grocery store works is that you know they 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 want to make sure that you know they um, they'll give you the distribution, but you just got to make sure that the prices are low. Okay, but Okay, and then and I knew that was a lot, a lot of work. So I got to a point where I, I gotta I gotta move on from that business. But that was like six years later. 
Okay, and then that's when I start thinking about hearty foods, right? So, I, and I keep going on. I said, okay, I keep going on with this conversation. My journey is that, okay, I hope, I hope I'm not, um, um, the, the answer is not too long, but okay. But so I started hearty foods, okay, and then, uh, and then hearty foods is really, a, um, you know, uh, and I said, I want to go, I want to I want have a company that goes from, from, uh, uh, I guess from business to consumer, so no, no middleman. Okay, and and then um, okay, and I remember telling my friend, hey, I want to I want to get into e-commerce. Okay, this is back around 2019 or so, right? Okay, and okay, actually 2018. Okay, and then the, and I remember my friend, she, she told me that hey, you need to get you need to get out of Windows 2000. You have an old computer. <laughs> I don't know how you gonna yeah how you get e-commerce. Your your computer is like you know. I was 20 years old, right? Okay, so I remember. Oh yeah, you're right. So let me let me start learning about e-commerce. Okay, and then um, so I just you know I just go. I have a friend of mine that was selling um, um, wedding favors. Okay, and he was awesome con. Okay, and then he I go to his place. I see how his his really amazing um, wedding business. Okay, and see how his e-commerce. And he was doing e-commerce for a long time, and I saw what he was doing. Okay, and and I said, oh, I see. Okay, so that's. I'm going to imitate that. I'm going to just get like a diamond printer. I'm going to get, you know, anyway, get on Shopify. And, and then, and then I call another friend of mine who sold computers, you know, got me a new computer. And then, and then I just started, okay, let me start selling flour. I start selling like flowers and uh, these vegan flowers. And I, I, and no one's ever thought of doing flour from, from fruits and vegetables. So I started making flour from apples, bananas, sweet potato. Okay. And, so like I said, going, going, going really niche in case being, doing flour, but in a different way. And I started selling in ice cream cups. Okay. So like, um, so then, uh, so if you, if you go on my website now, heartyfoods.com, you'll start seeing apple flour, banana flour, you see little cups of ice, cups of flowers, right? Okay. And then, and I had about six of those products and, and it did pretty well, right? Okay. So in 2019, I just, I, I get on Amazon and, and I put on my website and it was, I was very, very searchable because no one's ever thought of putting apple flour, banana flour. In back in the back in those times, they were called powder. So apple powder, banana powder, powder. And, and the reason why I didn't like those terms is because powder didn't seem like um, it made any sense with that. Just like, but if I give it, if I give it a proper noun, uh, a descriptive noun, it will make it easier for people to understand what it is. You know? So it's like flour. Okay. So and then, anyhow, so then. So I, I get these six six flowers up and count my website and put them on Amazon. Okay. And then I do pretty well. And then 2020 comes around during COVID. Okay. And yep. we just take off because everyone's baking at home, right? Because so mm-hmm. it was just all just serendipitous, all incidental that I had a flower company during COVID. Okay. And I sold an ice cream cups. Okay. And then we just took off. Alhamdulillah. Right. Okay. And then and then at the same at the time, you know, like these were all like, and I had maybe like 20 flower cups, 20 flowers at a time, you know, from carrot flour, broccoli flour, spinach flour, whatever. Okay. And then, okay. And they were all making in our own facility in LA. Okay. And then, okay. And then, um, and then I said, well, I think there's an opportunity for halal collagen, halal gelatin. Yeah. And I remember asking myself, how come no one's doing halal collagen, you know, and uh, especially a high quality version of it. Okay. And, and I remember, and then I, I had a I had a consultant at the time, and he said that how could you be doing vegan flowers that have a bovine based halal collagen product? You're gonna upset your current customer base, you know. And then I remember telling him, you know, I think there's an opportunity here because no one's doing halal collagen. Okay, and at the same time, 
you know, I don't, I don't particularly believe in veganism. You know, I don't, that's not my thing. You know, it's like, I just want to have a food company and a wellness company. I, I just want to have, that's what I want. Okay. So like products that I personally believe in. Okay. So then, so then I, I started, I just get a, I started doing college and halal college. Okay. And I remember when I, when I met the, my manufacturer at the time, my distributor, okay. I told him, Hey, listen, how come don't do halal college? And he said, I don't know why. He said, okay. And then, so let me, let me help you. Let me, let's, let's, let's do this together. You know, let's work on this together. Okay. And then I remember specifically telling me that you have to have enough, you have to enough volume to do this. You have to make sure like, yeah, you know, and I remember like it was, it was a conscious decision where I knew I had to buy X amount of collagen to like, like a container full. Okay. And, and, and I didn't know if this product was worth it or not, you know, but something in my heart told me that, that the, the halal market is being completely ignored completely, you know? Okay. And there might be some sort of element of racism in some way. Okay. I remember like, you know, like I remember when I, when I was doing um, um, pies and cheesecakes uh, and uh, most, I'm not sure most people don't, don't know, but a lot of pies have lard in it. Okay. So like, okay. And I wanted to put halal on the thing. I remember some of the, just some of the retailers said you can't put a halal logo on the product. Mm. And I remember that distinctly, you know, so, so, well, it's kind of, it's kind of dumb, you know, whole foods I didn't have that problem with, but, I remember other other retailers, you know. So like, and I remember I remember also presented at Trader Joe's. They specifically told me not to put halal on the on the on the product line. So I remember that. So like, anyhow. So, but things have changed. I think you know. So like, I know I know I think anyhow. So then um, so so like so like so I started doing halal collagen, halal gelatin. Okay, on on selling on a website, getting on Amazon. Okay, and then making the initial investment to buy halal because. Okay, and and um, and I remember it was a it was a big investment, and I but I just I had it deep down inside, I just knew it was going to work, you know. Okay, and and then and then uh, then I started adding products, and and we're getting more and more people coming to our website, and we get we got some really good PR to coming in. We got a Bon Appetit magazine that came in, and then uh, then Halal Collagen. I started putting it on, okay, and then people started buying it, and I realized the Halal consumer is a very strong consumer, right? Okay, and. So it's a double-edged sword because sometimes the halal consumers also are very, very, um, you know, very, they, they have, they're very incredulous. They don't, they, if I, even I show them a halal certification, they'll say it's not real halal. It's not, you know, how do I know you're doing it right? It's you know, so like, so it's just, uh, it, was, it took a lot of like a lot of energy just to like convince people that you show them the certifications, show them that the sincerity of what we're doing, you know, and, uh, but, but the vast majority of people, they were really, really, receptive the fact that we're doing it okay and then uh okay and then we kept expanding that okay and then we got better at doing it getting on amazon and, and what amazon really is if you know it's nothing but seo it's a search engine optimization right it's like mm -hmm. so if you if you learn how to use amazon okay in that way putting putting big titles okay and then optimizing your your ad spend okay so you'll be able to like um do well on amazon but um but I, I think, I mean, really, that's kind of like my journey. I, I know, I know I, I, I'm speaking a lot, but, but I want to get, give you, your audience a full understanding of, you know, uh, what it took to get to this point. Yeah. No, that, that's fantastic. Very helpful information. So, so you mentioned just right now, um, Amazon and SEO optimization. It seems that anyone who's going into the e-commerce world, they have to kind of learn about these different areas, SEO optimization, how to create your web page, how to do that. Is that an easy path, an easier path to get started given the abundance of information about SEO, et cetera? Or is it hard? No, it's, uh, 
Well, I think I think part of part of it is is that's why I think this is the golden age of e-commerce, because in some way there's a lot of like especially Shopify and. By the way, I'm, if you go to Shopify not right now, you'll see my face on Shopify. I'm the face of Shopify right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, to answer your question, I think, like I said, like e- e-commerce is really easy in terms of you just gotta make effort. In case so, like in case so, and and uh, and one thing the way the way the way I I built this team was like like um um like like I have a we have about maybe about twenty employees now at, at Heart Diffuser. In case so, like okay, and I I basically like. How I got into how I got became extra on Amazon is, you know, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies out there, but a lot of people out there. You just gotta like filter, like like when it comes to when it comes to information, you just gotta be able to understand what you're saying, and like cross reference that with somebody else. You know, it's so like I do a lot of that's that's how I learn things. So like I'll talk to this person, okay, and then and then and, and say this expert, and then I'll go to another company, a, com- a competitor, and cross reference that information. So that's how I, I process things. You know, so like okay, and then and then. Um, but as far as like Shopify, there's a lot of tutorials on it. There's a lot of YouTube channels. Okay, and then what's really interesting is, like with Shopify, when I first went to, first put a product on Shopify, get the Shopify website, I would go to the Shopify store, and they had like these trainers there. Okay, and I would go there and just talk to them, and they would help me. Okay, so like so in, in that process of them helping me, that's how I do it myself. Okay, and then um, and then even for myself, like I went to my friend who was he had a wedding favors company. I learned from him because how he did it. Okay, so like. Okay, so 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 there's there's information out there. You just gotta kind of find that information. You gotta be able to like seek it, okay, and then make effort too, right? So like, but as far as SEO, like it's, you know, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of information out there about that, you know, okay. And as far as like marketing on Amazon, you just like um, part of it is just you know, like I kind I kind of look at everything as phase one, phase two, phase three. So so if you're starting a new company, like. Think of, think of this like phase one is just just getting your initial idea off the ground, okay? Mm-hmm. And coming up with a prototype, coming with a product, getting it on Amazon, getting it on, on on your website, okay? Whatever it is, so it's just phase one. I don't even don't, don't that's that's just getting it there. Don't worry about the cost kind of thing. The phase two is making the adjustments. You're like, okay, so by putting it this oh this is what you learn, okay? By okay, maybe I should just this 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 to the packaging, or maybe I should just a little bit change the marketing to this, right? Phase two, okay, it's like, do like a pre-launch kind of thing. The phase two, make the adjustments. And then phase three, after you make the adjustments, after you do your pre-launch, then you phase three is when you start making money. So that's when you start taking it more seriously. So like, so whatever, like, so if you look at Hearty Foods, like we have about 50 to 60 products, right? Okay, and so phase one for me, like uh, I have, we have a new line of something so unusual, which is pet shampoo, pet collagen, pet products, okay, and Okay, and people are saying, you know, how could you be doing pet products? It doesn't make any sense, you know. Okay, and but I think I, I I'm taking I'm taking the same principle. Phase one, okay. Phase one, okay. Listen, I'm just going to come up with the initial product, see how they do, okay, and then and then phase two is apply some different marketings and, and maybe change the packaging a little bit, no? Then phase three, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all out, okay, and then you do it, try advertising on Amazon, advertising on Facebook, Instagram, start giving it to influencers, all that. So there's a certain playbook you have to follow, right? So like, so, so, so same thing here. So you just got to like start it and, and get it going. Okay. And then, but, but have a phase one, phase two, phase three, approach it. And whatever you try to do, do any kind of new product idea. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, this is fantastic. I like how you broke it up into phase one, phase two, phase three. And I think that's, that's kind of, uh, gives you a tangible uh, goal in each stage. Um, 
for men, when I'm hearing you today, you, you mentioned a lot of things like I went and I rented this factory or I purchased that factory and then I went and I bought this store. There's a lot of funding that is needed to run such a business. And one thing obviously about Muslims and uh, Muslim entrepreneurs is that they want to stay away sometimes from riba interest. Uh, yeah. What is an advice from you to secure funding uh, for early business owners? How do I do that? Um, any tips? Yeah, I think just, um, so I think uh, when it comes to like um, funding, okay, well, I could tell you like, like when I, when, when I had, when I had that failed restaurant, okay, I wasn't doing well financially, right? Okay. And I was doing it pretty poorly. Okay. So like, Okay, and then they make that samosa come back. You know, first, they crave rolls, right? They make that samosa come back. That was really a, really, it was just um, uh, really just against all odds kind of thing, you know? So, but what I did was, okay, so like, instead of like, um, like, I'll just give an example of the samosa part. Okay, so like, okay, I didn't have real funding there. Okay, so like, I lost a lot of the money because of this failed restaurant. Okay, so then, but I had, I had, um, I had one like I had one friend of mine who was a buyer at Whole Foods, okay, and and then all I did was I just and at the time I was making hand roll samosas, okay, and okay, and it just I had a few like a few people, a few employees making hand roll samosas, selling it to different, um, but but I knew that um, if I got a purchase order from Whole Foods, okay, then I will I will get my funding, okay, so then I'm willing to. So what happened was so I just so so I went to a Whole Foods. I remember I had a tip from this Whole Foods buyer that he goes to work at every morning at 4 a.m. Okay, so like, okay, and then, uh, so and it was just a just odd tip. I, and I, so I emailed him, I said, can I meet you at, at 4.30 a.m.? He happened to be the buyer in San Francisco, the whole food in San Francisco, okay? And then, uh, and he was, and he just thought that was very unusual. No one wants to meet somebody at 4.30 a.m., right? <laughs> okay, I think my email was stood out, right? Okay, and then, anyhow, so then, uh, and, and I'm from LA. So I remember that I, I, he says, yes, I'll meet you at 430. And I tell him I have the world's greatest samosa. And these were like handmade, high quality samosas. Okay. And then, uh, okay. And then, uh, and then, and then he says, sure, meet, I'll meet you at 430 AM on this particular day and, and another week from now. I said, sure, no problem. So I make these handmade samosas. Okay. And I don't have, have any real packaging. I just kind of like um, put in these containers with a sticker on it. Okay. And Okay, I remember that. Okay, and then uh, I go to Whole Foods. Okay, and then, but what gave me a prior experience was I used to have something called Crave Rolls, which which I had like a barcode I had bought. Okay, I had some ingredients. I had some little bit of experience in this, right? So and then, um, so I meet this guy. Okay, and then it's buyer, and I show him I have the samosas in the packaging with the sticker on it and the barcode and everything. And he looked at me and he said, you know, how long have you been doing this for? I said, I've been there for a few years. I told him about Cravo experience. And I was very sincere with him. I don't tell him, you know, this, I had this other business, you know, I was selling Crave Rolls, you know, and, and Halal stores, you know. And then um, he looked at me and said, you know what? You need to improve your packaging. Yeah, okay. And then I said, okay, I understand. I said, all right. So then, um, but he said, you know, but he asked me one, one simple question. He asked me, you know, it's, it's hard to get in, but how, how are you going to stay in? If he asked me, because how you're probably going to move, you know, because you're, you're introducing a samosa that no one's ever heard of, right? No one really knows, right? Okay, so I, yeah, and I said, yeah, sure. I said, well, I'll, I'll do something that, I'll do something that, um, uh, that, that'd be, um, that's really going to move the product. He said, well, I, and he asked me, what's that? I said, I want to demo the products. 
I'm gonna go into the store, I'm gonna get a little table, I'm gonna make, make samosas for people to sample out. I'm gonna demo every, and I remember I remember demoing Crave Rolls at, at different halal stores, and it would sell out, okay? So like, so I'll demo these products for you. So, oh, and you're gonna demo, like at the time, Whole Foods, it does a six, it does seven, they had about, maybe about maybe 30 stores or 35 stores in, in Northern California. So I'll demo every store within, give, give me about two months and I'll demo every store. Okay, I'll, I'll drive every weekend and then do it. Okay, and then I'll do multiple stores at one time. And the guy said, "Yeah, that's an incredible answer." He says, "They're really good." Okay, so I really, I really, and and, and I think he just believed in me. Just, just believed in. Okay, and then I, I came up and I went to a friend of mine, who um um, his name is Shays Khan. Okay, and then uh, he had a, he was a designer. He said, "Listen, I could do your packaging for you, no problem. I'll make the packaging." Okay, so sure. So we do the packaging. He does a really nice job of it, you know. And then. Uh, and then, uh, and then these are all Muslim people I was working with some ways. And I said, my own, my own network of people that year, right? Okay. And then we did a photo shoot of samosas and we put the samosas on the, anyway, you know, I just, we did a nice little, nice little box of samosas. And I show, I show the buyer and he said, he gave me a, from my first purchase order. Okay. And then, uh, okay. And then I said, well, how am I going to, so with that money I got, and I was able to buy equipment with it. I was able to like, it was all organic in a way, some ways, you know? So like, okay. And, but the one thing, the one thing that I had going for me before I sold my restaurants, where I made a lot of money, I had bought a factory in LA. So that's the one thing that I had going for me. So in some way, the fact that when KFC told me to discontinue the halal food pro- program, you know, some way, like, you know, like I didn't want to leave the food business, but it came, it just became like a, it's just Allah's plan in some ways, you know. So like, so part of it is is that you know one thing. One thing I started doing was is that I started really having true tawakkul in Allah, like trust in Allah, you know. Okay, and when you have tawakkul in Allah, like it's almost you become like um you become very powerful in a way. Every you just have this 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 attitude of of success. You know what I mean? Like this attitude of like um that you can anything is possible. Okay, with with Allah's help, right? Okay, and so like. Anyway, so then that's what happened in my journey. So I, I just decided, even, even while I was failing the restaurant, you know, I was doing terrible, but it was doing terrible because I just didn't believe in it. I didn't believe in that business, you know, I can't stand up, but I believed in doing samosas. Like I started and part of, so part of that, that was just part of what, what it was like, just having this, just this optimism of faith, you know, that I, everything's going to work out fine. If I, if I start making good moves, you know, okay. And, and, and don't make don't make fast decisions. Make slow decisions in a lot of ways. Right? Don't make fast and, and talk to people that you trust. You know, part of that. So like this whole like this collective interest, collective you know, uh, and then making the decisions based on that. But also like, but but not don't, don't think that you know like everything has to be a right or I mean it has to be like right the first time. Keep evolving. You know, like so like the packaging. My first packaging was samosa was in a plastic container sticker on right. Then I realized I should put it in a box. Okay, then let's, let's get a box made. Let me get the box. I don't need to make thousands of boxes. Maybe make 500 boxes, you know? So even though it costs more, but but I just I just took that approach. I, I, and I realized it's not about making money in the first round. It's making money on the phase three round. Okay, so so so, so, so I was continuing. Even though I'll pay a bit more, not be profitable, whatever, you know? Okay, but, but I knew the end goal was, and I will call these things investments. Okay, so like, so now if you look at everything I do on my website, everything is all phase one, phase two, phase three. You know? The packaging may not be perfect, but I don't, I don't, I don't invest a lot in packaging. I invest, I don't invest a lot in inventory. I invest very, very little inventory, very little in packaging. I'll pay more for it. I don't even care, right? Okay, then 
Okay. And then that, that's, that's how it happened for me. So like, and I keep building the brand. Like, and I remember when, when we started Hearty Foods, it was like, and I knew it was just, I, I like the branding. I like the packaging, I, all that. I really invest in those things, you know, like marketing, the marketing of the product, marketing the ideas, you know, marketing, just, just a branding element of things. You know, I think that goes a long way. So but anyhow, but part of it is, it's just, but Allah's, I mean, the name Hearty Foods, it's a made up word, right? Okay. And, and I remember looking at the word hearty. I just said, man, what, what kind of name is that? And I'm not sure if I like it. Okay. And then, and then, and then the, my friend Shay, she said, well, it's, it's good. Don't worry. You'll like it. And I'll put a little heart on the, on the bottom of it, no? on the bottom of the Y. I said, yeah, you're right. It does look good. You know? Okay. And then, um, and then I said, well, and, and then I said, well, I said, Shay, what does what hearty stand for? It stands for hard earth in you. <laughs> and he told me, oh, wow, it's really amazing. Anyways, and then anyhow, so I have to give a lot of credit to Shays for that. And then, uh, and then anyhow, so then, uh, but but when people saw the first word, like if you Google hearty, it'll, it'll come as healthy. It would like, it would keep changing, you know. And anyhow, so that was our initial problem. Okay, but I want to start putting advertising down, like like ten dollars a month, I mean ten dollars a day, kind of thing, five dollars a day, you know, advertise some of the products, right? Okay, and then the word the word starts ticking, people start getting used to the word, right? So, and uh, anyhow, but. But it really was like, uh, as far as the funding part to answer your question, I think it's just start off slowly. Don't, don't invest too much, you know, and get it, get a purchase order. And, and, and I'm talking about particularly in the food business, right? So like, and, and I also think of, of this lady who uh, started Portos, okay, and Portos Bakery in LA. And it's like a really famous bakery in LA. In fact, they're, they're opening their first location. In, I mean, they're um, the fifth location and the first location on this land property in this land. Okay, so like, Anyways, but she started making pies and, and desserts from her oven, cakes from her oven, from her small apartment oven. That's how she started. So she started making sales from that, making selling cakes. Okay, and then she used that money to to, to uh, expand her business, right? So, so to start off small, you know, whatever it is, okay, and, and continue from there. Okay, and then also like if the product is good, people will start believing in you. People will, will come to you, and will give you like give you investments. You know like that. I said, but but it's all it's all part of the journey, right? Because like nothing will come easy, especially in business. But if it came easy, then everybody will be doing it, right? So you, you have to make effort, you know, whatever that effort is, right? Okay. And and if you look at you look at the life of our prophet, peace be upon him, you know, he, he went through a lot, he took a lot, there's a lot of effort. And and in the first maybe 13 years of his life, he only had a, maybe a hundred followers or less. 13 years of his life, you know. Okay, think about that. You know, like I mean, to have that all that energy, all that effort he made to only have less than a hundred people become Muslim. Okay, me so like, but then, but there, there, there's a, there's a tipping point that happens, right? Where it's just like it, you know, you if you just work at it, get better and better, you'll you'll blow up, kind of thing. You know, that's uh, very inspiring. I uh, I heard so many. By the way, I love the branding and I love the word hearty. <laughs> oh, hearty. Uh, the, the heart, yeah. health, earth brings a lot of uh, good ideas, good things uh, to mind. So um, I heard a lot of things that you mentioned, which very powerful, I think, uh, and to cherish things like, okay, hard work, heart, have sincerity, tawakkul. Uh, I love the tawakkul point that you mentioned because... Nice. And I love what you said about tawakkul. When you have tawakkul, you you um, you feel almost very powerful. 
because now you nothing you can potentially overcome anything and and that keeping that in mind i think is so important um re, you mentioned also reinvesting in your business and and as a way and reaching out to friends and family uh, because probably if they believe in you they'll probably uh, yeah probably you will have less resistance to your product probably yeah, exactly <laughs> um, right um, let, let, let me ask a question here. So uh, a couple of more questions, and I think uh, we're going to conclude. Uh, what's your thought? Now, when I head into Whole Foods, I see a number of halal products. When I head to other stores, I also start, I'm starting to see halal products. So what's your thought about the future of generally Muslim uh, uh, targeting uh, products and Muslim entrepreneurship in the West, clothing, food, etc. What's your thought about that? Well, I think it's um, it's getting stronger and stronger and bigger and bigger, right? Like you talked about introduction, right? Okay. And I'll give an example. Like if you look at, if you especially look at these um, these Muslim food bloggers, you know, okay. And maybe about two years ago, they may only had a thousand followers, fifteen hundred followers, you know. Some might have a hundred thousand, some might have a half a million followers. These are like Muslim food bloggers, right? Okay. And and especially in the makeup arena too, like some of the, some might have like 500, you know, followers on Instagram, whatever, but now like maybe millions of followers on Instagram. And I, I don't know particular names of these people, but I kind of see that as involvement. Okay. And also there's an international um, uh, component to halal as well, right? International is a halal standard. Okay. So like, you know, halal is a standard internationally, right? So like, and um, and also like I think um, um, if you look at grocery stores today, especially the, you know they, they have dates and dates on every you know right in the middle of the uh, of the thing, and there's no it's no coincidence that they're putting dates right in the, a day for Ramadan. They don't they don't advertise Ramadan, but they they put it right in the front there. You know, it's the dates and okay, and then um, so I think I think the halal market is growing, especially like there's really good companies out there. They're doing like like Crescent Chicken doing chicken. They're putting it in Costco and different grocery stores in certain pockets of the United States, like, like Chicago, Houston, New York, you know, San Francisco. Like, there's really there's a high concentration of Muslims, you know, in certain pockets. You know, so they, it's, it's being recognized, but there is a little bit of resistance out there. But the resistance is not as much as it used to be. I, that's from my own perspective because because it, because the money is too great. The, the opportunity are to, investors more interested in uh, uh, even even kind of non-Muslim investors more interested in funding halal businesses? What do you think there? I think so because um, I think part of it is, is um, uh, um, because you know if if a company knows that if they say company X a company Y right okay, company X is has something has halal logo on their product okay. And a company why doesn't okay so if, if it means 10 percent more business for that company just by 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 sourcing halal they're going to do it okay because every company wants to have an edge same reason why kosher right i find they're putting kosher on these products because you know it's, it gives them a little bit of an edge okay and because they know that that product will get you know certain certain people to buy from it it's kind of like it's kind of like a gluten-free organic whatever you know so if you have a halal on your logo it's going to be um I mean, on your packaging, if you have it on your on your packaging, it just means that you 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 open your doors to more opportunities, right? To more to more customer base, you know. Okay, and 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 like there are companies out there now. I noticed that they're putting halal on their packaging, you know. Okay, and okay, they're not talking about it because they're they're not they don't want to upset their 
maybe for whatever reason. But for, for us, we're proud to be halal. We're proud of that. That's our identity. Okay. So like, there's no issue there. You know, so like, and uh, so like, so anyhow, but that's how, that's how, and then you see, like you go on Amazon, you type up halal, you start saying halal, you know, you know, like, um, you know, a lot of halal products in case. So like, and from beef jerky to whatever, you know, and then, the, but I think the market is growing and the market is stronger. I think there's a lot of opportunities there, but, and I still think we're about maybe two to three or three more years away for, for where, where the doors going to completely blow wide open, you know? So like, and as far as most non-Muslim investors, I, I think there's a, they, they see it too, right? And, um, but, but most of the investors are, um, are, uh, I think they're sleeping on it. I don't, I don't, I don't think I, there, there's interest out there, but I think they're missing. Okay. And they, they don't, they're not really like um, completely aware of it, how the power of halal is. Okay. So I still think it's, I, I think, um, but I'm beginning, but I, I have been approached by some um, VC companies to look at us in KM. And, and um, I think we're getting closer and closer to a deal for ourselves, you know? For the, the, but we're looking. We're also looking for like the right kind of investors too, as for ourselves. But, but I do see. I do see it. But but still, there's still some reluctancy as well. So uh, I think we we're almost done uh, for the hour. So let, let let's conclude with one important piece of advice that you would want to give to a young fellow Muslim and entrepreneur. Uh, as he's starting on his company, one uh, advice out of everything we've discussed today, one yeah. single thing that you would want to highlight and tell him, just make sure you stick to that. Uh, I would say that um, um, part of part of being truly successful is, is you can't think of yourself as a brand, your, your own self as a brand, right? Okay, so, like, so for example, like, um, so like you say, um, like, what does your name represent to people? Like, you know, like, what do you, like, who are you? Like, what is your name? For example, like, for example, like, like, um, like, you know, BMW, you know, the, the ultimate driving machine, that has a brand. People, people associate certain things with that company, right? But each individual is a brand too. Okay. Think of yourself as a brand. Okay. And then, and does that brand have value? Because so it starts there. Really? Okay. So, what does your name represent? Say, say your name is, you know, you know, I don't know, Yusuf um, Sayed. Okay. I'm just making up a name. Now. So, like, what does that name represent to people? Okay. So, like, so, like, think of that. So, like, so if you start thinking in that context, then, then what happens is, so whatever you're selling, will it be easier to sell because they believe in you? They, your, your brand. So, like, so people say, hey, man. Do you, do you come on time? Do you have a good attitude? Are you trustworthy? Are you sympathetic? Are you sincere? So I, I would start off like, like when people like, like, like in a lot of ways, like I market myself with Hearty Foods, like, like I have my own Instagram page. It's a public page, right? And, but I want, I want people to associate um, me with the brand in some way. Like it's like kind of like how Elon Musk to Tesla in some way, right? Because like, okay, but you know, I'm not saying Elon Musk is a great example, but but how he associates with the brand, right? So like, I would, I would, I would, I would think of yourself, think of yourself as a brand too. And how do you, how are you perceived? So just improve your personal brand and then whatever you're selling will be a lot easier to sell. I hope that helps. So trustworthiness, people like, believing in you, right? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great advice. Thank you very much, Brother Riaz, today. I mean, it was a fantastic, very insightful um, discussion about entrepreneurship, about uh, your business. I'm, I'm sure, 100% sure that there's a lot of people who will who will benefit a lot from what you've said today. Jazakallah uh, khair, and thank you so much for your time. And I wish all the best, inshallah, for your companies. Just like yeah, thank you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Sure.